Welcome to the Flying Baton, the magical land of beginning band. Coming to you from the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. Your host, Charlie Nesmith. This is part two of Success at Small Schools. If you didn't check out the first part, be sure to listen to that one first. Let's get started. And I think that's a really important thing about a small program is they need to see other people besides you. When I'm their only band director, I see them from when they're 10 until they're 18. Mm. Um, they need to see someone else sometimes. They need, I don't know, I'm not, you know, band is vast, you know, there's so many instruments. And so, I mean, just the percussion section alone, there's a bazillion instruments. So <clears throat> knowing that you're not the best at everything and asking for help and bringing in clinicians. And that's all, that's been, I think the biggest reason, um, that we've seen success is that we ask for help mm. and we have people mm -hmm. come in. So. And I think that's important if you're a young director starting out that you, you think you've learned everything you possibly can learn in college and that is far from true. Um, <laughs> you have to realize that when, and not be afraid to ask for help when you uh, hit something you're like, I don't know. Um, or just, you know, make friends with a close band or to close by that you can bounce ideas off of and, mm. um, I'm lucky Mindy's not far. We we will hit each other up. What do you think of this? Um, I shadowed. Some... I, I, I did a lot of shadow teaching when I first started here. I came and saw Karen teach. I, I just watched other people. Um, and what do they do? And, and how do you do this? And how do you teach this? Um, I would ask because they would have professional development days at my school, which wouldn't help me at all, <laughs> right? Great. You're working on the English curriculum. Can I please go shadow this teacher because yeah, I did she's the really same great? Thing. Yeah, I did the same thing, and you um, know, even 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 at this point in my career, I love coming to watch other people work because there's always some other way. You're like, whoa, why didn't I think of that? That's really cool. I wish I'd thought of that. Um, so you know, it's it's important that the like I said before that your kids see that you are willing to ask for help and um, keep working to get better. Yeah. And I, I felt um, alone a long time out on, this, on the mountain. Um, I have a music, general music teacher, um, but she's not in the thick of teaching band, you know? I, so I, she has come up a lot. She does my drum major auditions with me. She's done my guard trials with me. She's done all kinds of stuff. Um, but there's a lot of times that I want to say, okay, I need another band director. Um, and you really have to, to reach out uh, because it is hard when you're it. You're the only person in the whole county that teaches what you teach. Uh, so that's, that's difficult. Yeah. I think, you know, if there are students fresh out of college who went to a, like, really large, you know, Northern Virginia school, for example, around here, and their first gig might be at a very, very different school. You know, I think a lot of them are in for some, some culture shock, you know, if you will. Would you have any other advice for someone who's might might be in that situation where they're coming into a school division that's very unlike the one that they attended? Um, actually, I kind of calculated uh, seeing something a little different when I was in college. Um, it ended up not well. It didn't necessarily help me, but I decided because I grew up in a small place that, and I don't know if. Uh, other colleges have that option. I requested a Northern Virginia placement. So I was actually student taught at Lake Braddock um, just so I saw something different. Um, so, you know, if you are from a big area and there's an opportunity for you to student teach and maybe a smaller uh, school district at a smaller school, that might be a way to prepare you for anything because you already know what, how big 
works. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to figure out what how small works. And that's kind of was my reasoning behind it, too. Um, you know, as soon as you get that job in a small place, reach out to those directors that are close by. Um, I know we had Cindy and I are in the Central Highlands All Area Band, um, and we all rely on each other to, uh, to whenever we have a conundrum. Um, and we're borrowing things from each other and uh, definitely sharing uh, tips. And I'll be like, oh, I found this really cool thing online. Mandy, you want this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we're constantly doing stuff like that. So, you know, just make sure that you're, even when you're in college, you need to be building those connections with everybody. So when you do get out, not only do you have your peers, then you also have the ability and you're used to making those connections with other directors. Because, you yeah. know, even the guy, the old old guy you think looks crusty and wouldn't be helpful is actually just asking for somebody to to help. They're willing to help. I mean, we're teachers after all. We love helping people. That's the whole reason we're in this job. So I would definitely, that would be something that I would done if I hadn't grown up the way I did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, like just like Mindy, you can do anything for a year. <laughs> um, and who knows, you might find the love of your life and then yeah, you're, right. you're there yeah. for forever. Mm-hmm. Or you can talk the love of your life to coming back to your hometown. So, yeah. Well, and, yeah, I think that's really important. Um, I, I came from a 3,000 um, student high school um, that was very concentrated on orchestra and, you know, that's what I was going to do. I was going to play an orchestra. I was going to be a doubler in New York. That's kind of like what I'm doing now. Um, <laughs> we didn't even have a marching band. There was no marching band at my high school. It's like 90% of what I do right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you never know what you're going to do. So you really do need to take advantage of every experience that you can get. And, and you may get offered a position that you think, oh, my gosh, I can teach choir or I can't teach, you know. But that may be the job that's offered right now. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to, you know. I, and, and I think we're really good in our area about not going, I'm going to save this and keep this for my program because it's what's working <laughs> for me. You know, yeah, we are very not. willing to say, oh, my gosh, this new tetrachord thing that I saw that you can teach scales with us is awesome. You should do this. <laughs> um, we're doing that a lot. And I think since I've been uh, – in this program and gone because of social media and all of that, there are so many more resources out there than mm-hmm. I ever had mm-hmm. as a first Absolutely. year teacher. I mean, just the, the band director page on Facebook, you know, and, and all the options that are there and things that are, you know, you don't have to kill yourself to reinvent the wheel. Somebody's probably already done what, what's out, you know, what you're looking for. Um, especially like right now when we're trying to figure out, uh, what to teach and how what you can do at home with instruments. There's so much stuff out there already that other people have created. You just have to, sometimes it's very overwhelming. There's too much stuff. I found that, you know, everybody was doing so many different things um, during this online education that I was just overwhelmed by it. Um, but you really, if you just dive in and say what you can't just do, I've had students that go and try to create the same program that they had in high school, in their mm. school. You know, they're mm-hmm. going to be a band director and, and they try to do that. But it's not going to be the same. You have to make your unique program uniquely yours. And you can take one little aspect from here and one little aspect from here. And and then you can take some things that you had before, but you have to figure out that this is the, its own special program, that it's not going to be the same thing that somebody does in one place or whatever. But if you take pieces and parcels from from different programs, then you can come up with something incredibly unique. That, yeah. And ultimately, you're mm-hmm. yourself and not your high school band director. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, when I went through school, I had five band directors. No, let's see. One, two, five band directors from fifth grade through 12th grade. Um, yeah, that's a lot. So, um, I often joke that I learned what not to, to do as much as I learned what to do. Um, so small schools are a challenge and, uh, trying to figure out, uh, and find your resources. When I first started teaching in, I was in Northumberland County. I didn't even know that part of Virginia existed, <laughs> but I was like, Mindy, I had to have a job. Um, and so I went to this tiny place where there's, you know, water all around. So the exact opposite of the mountains that I grew up in and, um, and talk about no resources. It, there were absolutely no resources whatsoever. Um, and so you just end up doing the best you can. Um, I had a lot of friends around. It was fairly close to Richmond, about an hour and a half. So I had a lot of friends in Richmond. So I was hitting them up for resources. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, how many of your kids are taking private lessons? Well, yeah, you know, and I, I, even even with even with WL and VMI clo- in close proximity, there's really not very many people who are offer private lessons in Lexington, mm-hmm. even. And um, you know, I have, I feel like I have three. You have three kids to take from a local sax uh, per, sax sax guy, um, mm-hmm. Tom Artwick. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there really aren't anybody isn't anybody else giving private lessons. So. Um, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a program where there, everybody's, a lot of kids are getting private lessons, well, that makes life easier for you. Mm-hmm. So then you have to figure out um, how you can provide a good experience for everybody. You know, I have one kid who's talking to me about modes, and the other kids are looking at me like, who is this alien creature that walked <laughs> into the bedroom? Um, I, and I, I have to temper. It's like, okay, so now you're going to teach us about modes. So he would pop in and do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's a it's a little tricky in trying to get the skill level, you know, that mm-hmm. we, we may not be able to get a high skill level as a place where there's more opportunities. But the important thing is you got to figure out how to get a good quality product while building that sense of community. And if you don't yeah. build a sense of community, um, then kids don't want to be in band. You've got to right. make them it's, it's a difficult... Um it's a difficult thing because, like, in my high school band, I have 8 through 12. Well, if I play super easy music for my 8th graders, my 12th graders are bored to tears. If I play super hard music, my 8th graders just give up and throw in the towel. So I always make sure we have some meat mixed in with some really playable stuff um, that that can be really musical on this end and here, you know, and say, okay, well, you're just going to play measures 1, 3, 5, and 9 or something, you know, and they're going <laughs> to play the whole thing. Um, Lots and, of rewriting. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a lot. You have, to, you have to be willing to... I, I have a custom show every year. There's no way I could buy a box show because it's such a huge difference. So when I talk to, um, when we look at, at arranging for the band, I'm really specific. My tubas can only go between here and here. Now, last year they could go between here and here, but they can only go between, you know. So it, it is going to change every year because there's not that many kids. So, um you though you want to have you know you you want to make it a place where everybody feels comfortable and every, but there are some kids that are going to be a lot more talented than others you know because you're not auditioning to I mean I audition my percussion and my guard mm-hmm. um, but I don't audition anything else you know if you want to be in the band I will find a spot for you to be yeah. you know so. Well, I had posted on the the Virginia Band Director Group yesterday and doing Sorry. research for for this interview, and I I'd heard from Laura Cole that she was on the the marching band committee, and they said that 
like 10% of small bands get a superior. I think the thing is just, just about marching assessment, this particular thing, but like 10% of small bands get a superior and like 90% of large bands get a superior, which, you know, is, is always it just kind of stood out to me because it's like, okay, clearly like all of these directors at these smaller schools aren't bad teachers. Like, mm-hmm. like there, there has to be something going on, you know, or like what kind of training do these judges get when they're, when they're listening to a group? Do they know how, like, what does a successful group of 20 kids sound like versus what does a successful group of 85 kids sound like in a band? My first middle school band, I had 19 people in my eighth grade band, four of which were percussionists. Um, this is another school division. But, you know, we went to assessments and stuff, and I was, I was always worried, like, okay, like, most of my instruments are one on a part. What, what are the judges going to think? You know, so if you, guys, if you guys are, like, you see a band of 19 come onto the stage, what are some specific things that you would look for to indicate that, good teaching is going on and that the kids are being successful despite their size, if that makes sense. Well, you can, it's definitely a balanced sound is the first thing you hear. Actually, I don't know it's you. The the moment they step on stage, you kind of know if they've been taught well or not. (laughs) I mean, if they, you know, I remember um, one assessment I went to and the kids came on stage and their posture was atrocious. And then when they started playing, it didn't get any better. Mm. And, and it, it, I, I tell that story to my kids all the time. You know, it's like, it does matter. It does matter, um, you know. Your po- posture matters. So it, as soon as you, as soon as they get out on that stage, and you're like, okay, they're holding themselves in the way they should be. There's a presence, you know. And then the balance of sound. I mean, so what if it, they don't have a tuba player, but they have a Barry Sax player that has an awesome tone and is playing his butt off? Then um, you know that's going to help with the balance of sound. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Mindy. I've been in assessments and. They were hot. I remember this one show. I was just harping on the fact that I didn't have four tubas. Mm. I had one tuba. I had a contralto clarinet and a berry sax, and that was going to be my bass for the day. And they were so caught up in the fact that I didn't have ideal um, instrumentation that they didn't really listen to what my kids were doing. Um, that frustrates me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I sit back and like, okay, what's the overall sound? Is there good balance? What's their tone like? What about intonation? Because if they have good tone, then it's easier to have good, better good in, intonation. You know, you you can kind of hear hear that, um, and not it, it, even if the grade a, a good grade one band will have similar qualities to a good grade three band. Uh, you just have to listen. There's going to be good things going on. You can tell. Um, mm-hmm. You can't just use that excuse of oh well, they're first year players. They don't have to sound good. Uh, no, you can still develop good tone and and. And make that happen. Um, it, what, what do you think about um, listening to other I, groups, I watching? I absolutely think that um, judges need to judge based on what they're doing with what they've got. Um, mm, yeah. Because you can say all day long, well, they should have had this many bases or this many. You know, and, and I've had that comment a lot. I had a comment um, at a at a marching contest um, that said, oh, you should have mic'd your front ensemble. What are, what are my percussionists supposed to do with that? Um, give me something that my kids can control. So I, as, as a judge, I think they should make comment. If you have something that you need to say to the director, say I have some comments to the director later, but when you are commenting, when you are writing down things, put something that the kids have control over um, not you should have this instrument or you should have a better this instrument or um, something like that. If, if I see a group that performs and they've got 19 kids in it, then I'm going to 
say, what are they doing with the instrumentation that they have? Mm-hmm. Um, can I hear the melody? Can Is it supported? Do they have, you know, all, all of those things. Because I think, um, I think a lot of the people that see that they they have not been in a small school situation before, so they mm. don't know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to take 19 kids out and compete with them. I, um, I have not gone to festival um, in quite a few years because we miss so much school um, up on top of the mountain because of weather that I can't give the performance I think my kids are capable of in early March. Um, if it was at the end of March or the beginning of April, I would be able to make that happen. But when you've got 22-hour delay days, which means you have 20 minutes of class, I can't get that fundamental um, sound in. So I also have to think about protecting my kids. Um, I'm not going to put them in a situation that I didn't prepare them for. Um, I think all the other thing that I would I would look at as a judge is are they playing within their ability level? Are you trying to play something that is super hard mm. just because that's all you know? I think that you know we come out of college and we've played all this hard literature, um, and maybe they're looking at it you know more now. I think they need to play some more basic literature in some of their bands because that's what they're going to be teaching you know a lot. Very few times are you going to you know throw that grade five out. And, and it's going to be played really well. But play, you know, make sure you are, are rewriting parts. Um, I learned that the hard way by a judge sitting down with me at a contest and saying, you know, if I were you, I would, I would rewrite these parts here. Go ahead and, mm. and do this, this harder stuff for these guys, but rewrite their parts here. You know, you're not going to get knocked for that. You're not going to get dinged for that. But write it to what they can play when you've yeah. got a span like I do of eight through 12, you got to write to what they can play. So don't be afraid to rewrite stuff to make it um, successful and meaningful for your kids. Bottom line is if the kids aren't having a good time, then why are you bothering? Um, I think that's the, you know, can you tell when a group comes out if they've got passion and they love what they're doing? I think you can see that when a group comes on stage. Mm -hmm. I have the same conversation, like you're saying, with with my band. And I think many, uh, you know, good band directors do have that. You know, you're judged when you step onto that field. Are you slouching? Are you marching around? You got your shoulders back? Do you have some pride about yourselves? You know, when kids are proud to be in a band, that shows. And I think that is more important than any note that they're going to play. I think one of the the challenges I've always had is trying to find really good literature that everybody gets a good part. Mm -hmm. You know, get. There's nothing more depressing to a little trombone player if he has to stay in first position for an entire song, <laughs> you know, and trying to find something and something that has, you know, something other than the snare part is meaty. Um, you know, my poor percussionist back there being bored to death because they're playing the triangle because they all the good parts are in the snare part, you know, or the mm. timpani. Um, so you you may love a piece of music when you get out of college. But you probably loved it because your part was awesome. Um, you know, I'm an right. oboe player. I'm an oboe player. There's a lot of great, great lit in college that has these awesome oboe play, oboe solos. And then you pull out the score and you realize the tuba plays like F and and B flat the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is that fair to that kid? You know, and if you do pick literature where the low brass parts are not as interesting, you know, make sure you promise the kids you'll give them something better the next song and follow up with that promise. Yeah. Um, I spend a huge amount of time find it, listening to literature, and if it doesn't grab me in the first 15 seconds, I move on. 
And the mm-hmm. next thing I look at is like, all right, what does that alto sex part look like? What does that trombone part look like? You know, what does the tuba part look like? What it, you know, we know flutes and clarinets and trumpets will pretty much be taken care of in in most any um, horn parts. Yeah, horn. <laughs> well, yeah. if there's a good alto mm-hmm. part, there's usually a yeah. good horn part. Mm-hmm. So there is that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's I, I would definitely tell uh, somebody coming out to it to be very thoughtful about your programming. And um, now yeah. you have the ability to look at all the parts before you buy something. I mean, yeah. we couldn't mm-hmm. do that before. That's fantastic. No, you know, yeah. you can look at it on the computer before you buy it. So like you said, if if it doesn't grab you, is it going to grab your kids? Yeah. Um, so that's a thing too. Plus it's hard to sell something if you aren't all in too, mm-hmm. you know? So if you pick something that you're like, oh, well, we probably should do that. But if you don't love it, <laughs> the kids are going to can tell, they can yeah. tell a lot of stuff. You and the kids need to know too, you know, they're like, why can't we do this song? We heard this band do this song. We don't have the instrumentation to do that. Or we don't, you know, we don't have the brass section this year, but we can maybe do that. And this year, you know, mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. They, but they don't understand that. But that is part of, of what you're teaching them. You're teaching them to play to your strengths, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's a really important thing to learn just in life, you know? Play to your strengths, you know? And work on your weaknesses. But but really, you're, you want to pick stuff that is going to make them feel great about what they're doing and what they're playing. Yeah. I'm really glad that both of you brought that up because I was judging for district and there was a small band that came on the stage and the individual players were very good. But they were picking music with so many split parts. Like they oh. came out with Air for Band as oh. an eighth grade group of like 20 that's, kids. That's, that's such a difficult and they And they had no bass voice, like no bass clarinet, no barry sax, no tuba. So there's like, like whole chunks missing from, from every chord. And it's like, and on one hand, like, like I felt so tied because the kids that were playing were playing well. Mm-hmm. But huge chunks of the song are missing. Like they did Black Force Overture with no bass part. And it's like there's no, there's like sections where the bass is supposed to be the only person playing, but they didn't have one. So it was just like snare drum, you know? And so they didn't rewrite I it just, for no, anyone. No, no. Or... Well, that's the tricky thing too about a judge. Like you don't know, like maybe they had one tuba, and but they're sick, sick. Yeah. But if they don't like, you know, like, like you can write a note in the score and tuck it in and be like, hey, we have one, but he's not mm-hmm. here today. Like that would have been helpful, but I, I didn't see anything like that. So it's like it's hard to like to listen to that or, you know, picking a piece with four horn parts and not have any horns. Yeah. You Did know? you pick the best literature for your group? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's one of the things like at the end of the tape, I was like, these comments are for the director only. And it's like, yeah, you know, like you can find music that will make your group sound good. And his players were really good. And that's why I felt like so conflicted about it. It's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like score wise, like the players are giving it everything. But man, like the literature selection didn't mm-hmm. show off. And that's a category. So, so, yeah, right. really. Mm-hmm. It affects right. a lot of things that way. Yeah. I and do often feel like I, I wish I could, when we're at a contest of some kind, slip a little note that I would, as a judge, yeah. like to know do these guys practice eight hours a day? You know, is this, uh, are there 200 kids in this school? You know, like, is this, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, and you can't do that on any level, you know, and I, I have long conversations with my students about that that they're just judging on what they're seeing in this given time and comparing it against this group, and they don't know anything about it. So I think it's important that you inform your kids, too, you know, to, to what they're what they're up against. But yeah. a lot of times, and that's why I don't do a lot of judging it. I don't do a lot of that. Um, I'm not comfortable, as comfortable with it, because of situations like you're talking about, um, 
I'm too much of a softie. <laughs> well, so I, I was talking that. with uh, my co-teacher, yeah. John. So he does chorus and band. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me on the choral side of things, like they fill out a sheet that's basically like, what are all the, like, like the hardships or weird situations that your mm. band in school is in? And they mm-hmm. fill that out. I was like, what? Like, that's it's fascinating. Coming from the band world, it's like, nobody does that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I remember we had a huge conversation when I did my judges training with at, um, at VMA, like. There's a huge conversation about what to do if you had a kid with special needs. Like, like were you allowed to or should you inform the judge of that in some capacity? Before I have been back it? and forth on that for years. You know, mm-hmm. and it was, well, it was a huge debate. Like, we had, like, 25 people in the room. And some people were like, hey, like, put it in a little note, slip it into the score. It's fine. You know, and some people felt like it didn't need to be mentioned. And, you know, and the, well, there was a huge, like, discrepancy between people who taught at larger schools and people that taught at smaller schools because the larger schools are like, Oh, we'll put them in your bottom band or whatever. And then your top band can still get a superior. And then there's some people like, well, I only have one band (laughs) and I'm not allowed to, you know, nor do I want to exclude the kid, you know? And that, well, that's another thing too. Like that's a whole nother bag of worms, but like some school divisions, like, you know, like that kid like cannot be told they can't perform. You know, I know band directors that tell kids they can't perform, if they think they're going to like quote ruin the mm-hmm. show or whatever. Um, but not every administration, you know, will support that. You're like, that right. kid needs to be out mm-hmm. there. They need to be playing. And you know, if you only have one band, you know, and that's all you got. We have always played with every yeah. single person that has wanted to be in Absolutely. band. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, th- and we adapt and we, and yeah, we figure and it out and we help each other. Marching totally the other direction, but you know, yeah. it, that's just the way it, I mean, it's part of, it's part of being, it's, part of learning to help your community and and you know we always say we're only as strong as our weakest link mm-hmm. you know we say that all the time and so you know it will behoove my clarinet section to help everybody in their clarinet section if they want to have a good section if you're in the trumpet section if everybody can play their parts then it is the i mean there's only one of me and you know 75 high school kids and uh, 150 elementary kids or something, 200 elementary kids. And so leadership is a lot of what I teach. And it is up to my leadership to make sure that we are pulling everyone in. That is, that is mm. you know, a huge part of, of what I teach. I have a whole leadership camp that usually happens in June. I'm a little worried about that. Um, but that's what we talk about. You know, how are you going to engage these people? We're not talking about how you're going to conduct during the rehearsal. I mean, I can teach anyone how to conduct, you know. I, <laughs> I, you know, I want you to be a leader, you know. And if you're not a leader, then our program fails. It doesn't matter how good I am, you know, or how much music I know. If I don't teach you to teach the rest of the, the kids in your section, then we're dead in the water. So. And every child deserves to have that band experience. I mean, Band might and be the only experience. and performance experience. Mm-hmm. Band might be the only place that a that a, a, a special needs kid gets to interact with these peers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had kids in the past that they basically could play triangle, um, and I trained them to just watch my pattern. And when you know they play mm-hmm. with, with the plant, we did a lot of visual cues, um, alternate, you know, notation. You can't be so elitist that they have to read that part. You know, you have to. Blow it up a million times. Put a triangle on uh, in in some way. You know, you have to adapt and help the kid be feel like they're an important part. Um, yeah. I mean, I've had different 
pieces welded onto the instrument, so music can be really close to them. I've yeah. Been, I've just been a lot of different mm -hmm. things. And you just say, what can I do to help you? What do you need from me? Um, and you know you've got a good drum major. You know you've got good student leadership when they're including those kids. You know, they yeah. see you do it, and then they emulate that, and then they do it in their community. I mean, you know, you're you're not just teaching a kid to be in band, right? Mm. So it's it's hard. It's not easy, but ultimately, you know, I hate the elitist attitude. Well, just put them in your bottom band. So your score is not everything. And <laughs> since the majority of my career is in middle school, you never know from one second to another when they step on that contest stage. What's going to happen? Mm -hmm. I had, we were at King's Dominion one year and I stepped on it and I went, uh oh, because one of my percussionists looked at me and his eyes were as big as saucers. He was totally freaked out that there were people in the audience, uh, even though I told them a million times um, that there would be people in the audience. And he just froze. And, you know, I, I stressed to the kids this is just a snapshot of who you are as a musician. Just one little picture. You know, don't. And don't get caught up in, oh, we have to have superior. I don't care about that. Are we proud of what we did? Are we mm -hmm. proud of the way we pl played? You know, if we get a superior, that's awesome. But you can't be focused on what grades you're going to get because you will get lost in the thick of trying to get this particular grade and you aren't teaching the fundamentals. Yeah. If I've ever heard, heard some, I've had banners, oh, I want to have time to do a warm up. What? <laughs> you don't have time not to. I mean, isn't yeah. that part of a, you know, your warm-up shouldn't just be this bland thing. It should be an active living creature that employs all the things you're trying to teach, um, not just something rote that you do every day. Um, mm -hmm. That's not the point. Um, and so. I think making things an experience. Um, Absolutely. When we went to Bands of America, I was straight up terrified. Um <laughs> And I'm sure my kids could tell because they, they read me pretty well. Um, but I wanted them to have the whole – it was about our performance, absolutely. I mean, that's what we'd prepared for. But we went down the night before. We had a nice dinner somewhere. I let them be in the pool. And, you know, before we did bed checks, we planned all of that in. And I had another um, staff member that works with another band. They were like, you let your kids go to the pool? Like that. And I'm like – Yes, it is, you know, it was about the experience. We don't do that with our kids. It's all just about what are we going to get and what are we going to score and what is the, what's the end result. And for us, especially for me, because we live on the top of a mountain and we have to drive a half an hour to get to a Walmart, um, not to you just live on one side of the county, but to get to a real city, you got to drive an hour and a half or something. Um, so I want to make sure that... It is an experience every time we do something. Um, so it is not just about the music. It is not just about the judges. It is not. Just, it is about the experience of what you're doing every time. Well, I do have my final three questions, but before mm -hmm. we get to that, is there anything else that you wanted to add or throw out there? It's always tricky to balance your job and your the rest of your life. So you've got to remember that if you aren't taking care of you, and meeting, meeting your needs emotionally and with your family, then you will not be in any shape to be the best you can be for your students. So it's important to have hobbies outside of the, at your job. Um, know when to stop 
I need to, I'm getting lost in the weeds here and I need to back off. Um, and not being afraid to ask for help when you need help with things and not to get burnout. I've seen so many young directors come in and think they're going to have to change everything all at once. And, you know, that when you first start, pick one thing that you are really, like, really, like, don't like about what the program you've inherited and change it. Plus, you have a bit less pushback that way. Um, and just change it gradually. No, just think you're in it for the long haul. You've got to envision where your program, where your program, you want your program to be in five years, ten years, and not try to change everything at once. And you can't let yourself get burned out because that's a disservice to yourself and to to the kids. And being a mom and doing this job, it's tricky. And I'm sure Mindy will back me up on it. Um, you know, there's that's why I don't do anything different in the summer because I said, look. My kids get shortchanged in the school year. I'm going to they, – they get to have fun with mom in the summer. Mm -hmm. So we make sure we do family things a lot in the summer and breaks and try to make sure, you know, it's tricky. I, my son was a three-sport athlete. My daughter was a two-sport athlete all through high school. Now we're going to the college journey. you got to figure out a way they feel supported and that you don't run yourself ragged. So mm -hmm. balance your personal life and your professional life. My biggest advice there. <laughs> I I would agree a hundred percent with that. I don't know that I have that um, under control. <laughs> I think it is extremely difficult if you teach the entire program. If you do grades mm -hmm. five through twelve, it's near impossible to to find that balance. the The reason it's slightly balanced for me right now is because my kids are in my program. Mm. Um, but it was really hard for a long time. Uh, and so you have to know when that you can say, I can't do any after school this week. It's only going to be once a week or it's only going to be this or um, because you just you, you got to get home. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're like me, you're going to worry when you get home anyway about if you yeah. said the right thing to one kid um, or whatever. <laughs> um, but but that that is a very difficult um, it's a very difficult balancing act. Um, but if you are, you got to check yourself each day. And, mm. and if you're not smiling in your class, what's going on? If you're not smiling, your kids probably aren't. You know, so I'll, I'll check myself and go, have I smiled during this class? Have I, you know, um, and some days I'll just come in and I'll throw the whole agenda out the window and I go, we're going to play in a circle today. And we're going to play like this fun little silly pop tune because I feel like, have we been having fun lately? You know, like, and that to me is more important than the mm -hmm. end result. So yeah. I always make sure that I try to mix it up. We're going to play in a circle today or everybody's going to sit in a different place or you're going to pick a different partner to sit next to you and you're going to hear that this sounds different today or we're going to go outside or, you know. Um, you know, it doesn't happen every week. It doesn't happen every month. But if I, I try to keep a, a check on me and the kids because I don't want them to be like, oh, i got to go to band. I don't ever want them to say, oh, I have to go to band, yeah. you know, and I'm saying, I got to go to band, you know. So that that is, it, it's a it's a really tough position to be in because they don't have to have your band class, right? It's not a required class. They don't have mm -hmm. to have band. Um, but you don't also want it to just be a cheese ball class. So easy A, I don't take that. I don't have any, you know, responsibility. Um so you have to really find that balance, and that's the hardest thing is finding that yeah. balance and your high expectations. And sometimes you can't—when I first started teaching, I didn't have the luxury of saying, you're out of here, you said something inappropriate, and you're done, you know? I had to keep everybody because I didn't have anybody, you know? So <laughs> um, do I have more of that luxury now? Yes. 
But I try to keep my expectations high. And, and really, generally, people quit because, which doesn't happen often, but when they do, it's because they just don't want to meet the high expectations. Yeah. So, but don't lower them for that. You know, keep your expectations high. And the one thing that I think is the most important thing that um, I do in my program is I check grades. It's not just about band. Um, so if I have, I don't do it as much at the middle school level because they have more teachers that are kind of with the one kid. Um, they have good caseloads. But at the high school level, they're going between all these teachers all the time. And I don't know that all the teachers are always looking at the other things that are happening. So I, at once or twice a quarter, I will look through every single kid's grade and every single class because I've got access to that in power school. Um, and then we, they know they're going to get a conversation with me and they know it's going to happen. Um, they're going to get a little piece of paper folded up about the class that I'm worried about. But I also say I want you to work with Johnny today during band class. You have to be willing to sacrifice some of your rehearsal time, your coveted rehearsal time, um, to make sure that they're making it somewhere else. Mm. Um, grades are really important to me. My son is not so thrilled about that. Um, <laughs> but I get on everyone equally. So they know it's coming. They know if they're failing something or if they're not turning in their assignments. Um, it's part of my trips. It's part of my thing. They have to meet this criteria in order to get to, to do this kind of stuff. Um, and I've never had to kick somebody for not meeting the criteria, but I always make sure they meet it. Mm. <laughs> you know, whether that's pairing them with someone that can help them or sending them to tutoring for that band class or whatever, um, it's really important that you keep a check on not just what's going on in band world, yeah. but the rest of their academic life as well. And, you know, I have high school kids, so I want to make sure they do get into the college of their choice or whatever it is that they're doing outside of that. Yeah. Well, ultimately, it's it's important that you show an interest and build a build a relationship with the kids. I mean, I I spend the first minute of class. How's everybody doing? What's new? You know, I, you know, I'm not going to talk about Alabama today. Um, but but yeah, you know, roll tide. Go, let's go. You know, so it, showing that you care about them other than they're filling the seat and playing an instrument. You know, mm. or go and watch mm. them play. You know, absolutely. I, I try How many to see times? game or a match of every sport each season um, so that I, I might not see more than one, you know, unless my kid's in there and then mm -hmm. I'm seeing all of them, you know. But, you know, I'll say, I got to go see a baseball game. You know, my kids aren't playing baseball. I got to go see a baseball game. Or I know it meant the world to my own kids when they saw their sixth grade teacher out at their rec league game. You know, they were like, oh, my gosh, okay. Going to you the know? dance recital. Right. Oh, I really so, loved it when you did that, that, that particular dance. Without stretching yourself too thin, you know, and making it within your, um, you know, within your scheduling boundaries and things like that. And maybe your kids would like to go or something, you know. So try to be involved in the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I'm going to get my power cord for this guy because I'm afraid it's going to die. Lightning round. Uh-oh. Okay. So I have three questions I'd like to ask everybody. Um, so we can just take turns answering. Uh, Karen, if you want to go in first for each question. Okay. Um, do you have a mentor shout out? A mentor shout out. I put, I'm going to put a shout out to my dear friend, Alan Hall, who is finishing up his high school career. We've been buddies for... Uh, since college, and he has been such an inspiration to me. Um, uh, he's just one, an amazing educator, and he served the, the state of Virginia so well. Um, and every 
every aspect of music education, really. So a shout out to my buddy in Richmond, Alan Hall. Um, I would have to say when I first started teaching, um, my old band director, uh, Gary Zolman, he has passed away, um, but um, he was a great resource when I first started and um, a source of someone that could say, do, do not freak out. If you can make it through this, that'll be okay. If you can make it through this, here's here's all this that I used. Um, and then I would just say the directors in my area, um, Susan Harvey and Karen Doyle and and all the directors that that really helped me um, get started here, Jeff Mason, I mean, I know, Scott Humphreys, all, all the people that, you know, were around when I was really starting. Um, and I could just say, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me with this? So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Number two, do you have a favorite beginning band piece? Oh, oh that's a hard one. Oh, Procession of the Cyborgs. Really awesome <laughs> six-note piece. Everybody gets some – it's a nice introduction to eighth notes, and it's got this cool, you know, sci-fi vibe that uh, I, my kids just dive right into. And that uh, Dragons of the Ancient Court, um, I think it's actually both of them are by Mark Williams. Another six-note piece that sounds really cool. I'm really into six-note pieces that sound – more advanced than they are. So, mm-hmm. you know, composers, if there's any composers listen to this, <laughs> give us some more of those. <laughs> I want those good parts of the low brass. <laughs> yeah. For my beginner beginners, um, let's rock. Um, it's it's a, a, a it's just got some, each little section gets to solo and it's perfect for fifth grade. I start in fifth grade. So it's perfect for a fifth grade band. Um and they shout, let's rock at the end. And, <laughs> and they, you know, like you say about middle mm-hmm. school kids, they, they love that kind of stuff. So that, mm-hmm. um, and then for a little bit older beginner pieces, Mystic Dance has been one of the favorites of my students. Um, so yeah. Flute players love it. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> awesome. All right. So final question. Uh, name a band director who is crushing it right now. Who's crushing it right now? Well, Charlie, you're crushing it with oh, all this technology yeah, stuff. Holy I cow. I don't count. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like Steve Cash is crushing it. I mean, that it, it, every time I hear his band, um, he's at uh, Stuart Middle School in Fort Defiance. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's crushing it. Matt Shucker crushes it. And then we can't forget this lady who's next to me, Mindy Hooker, out in the middle of nowhere, crushing it. You know, it's just uh, there's so many incredible people in the valley that are doing awesome things. Um, and uh, Becky Ford up in Broad- Broadway. I mean, gosh, I could I could go on and on. The people I think are crushing it. I, um, it's there's yeah. Lots she of took all mine. Um, <laughs> I I totally agree. I think Becky's doing a great job. Um, she's fundamentally sound. Karen is. That's the one thing um, I've always been so impressed at is how Karen can break it down into solfege and she can break it. There's so many different ways that you can teach things. Um, And I think people fail to do that sometimes, that they just think there's one way to teach something, um, but that you're willing to explore different things like that. And a lot of people have not um, done that. I would say Steve Cash as well. Um, He has worked with a lot of our groups and I'm just always um, enamored at the fact that he the relationship that he builds with the kids while he's playing. Mm. I do think you have an incredible program here when you present different things that we're doing. I'm like, man, 
this guy's really lucky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I wish I had that technological background to do some of the really cool stuff and the percussion stuff um, that you do. Um, but, yeah, there's just some great things going on in, in our district. I don't, unfortunately, get out a lot into the other districts to see what's going on. But I think uh, District 5 is doing an, an incredible job. Um, we've got new directors that are just doing some really neat things. Um, Shannon Light and Sarah Blevins. And they came, you know, Sarah came oh, from yeah. this area and she's, you know, she's giving back to the area. Um, Shannon is, is doing some in, incredible relationship building with her kids, too, that, that has just um, been really neat to watch um, her program grow. And, and yeah, and Shannon, and Shannon, congratulations mm-hmm. to her. She's the new band director at Fort Defiance High School. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. I have heard that. And yeah. so uh, she's making a little move, uh, but she's leaving Perry McClure very well poised to— uh, sky's the limit for that school system, for sure. That's awesome. Well, thank you both for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Lots of fun to chat. (laughs) You know what time it is. This week's pick is Streets of Madrid by John Moss, published by Hal Leonard. This piece is a march with some Spanish flair. There's great use of articulation and dotted 8th and 16th patterns to give it its characteristic feel. There's also some tricky syncopation between the low and the mid voices. The second half goes into a flamenco-type feel, with the clarinets taking the lead and tasty use of castanets in the percussion section. The flutes have a fun counter-melody that weaves in and out of the clarinet melody. As far as range goes, the flutes spend a lot of time on high C, so great intonation is an absolute must. Clarinet 1 goes over the break quite a bit, and clarinet 2 does not. Trumpet 1 goes up to D in the staff, but there is an optional high F in the middle of the piece on one of the endings. The trombones sit between F and high D for the whole piece. If you don't have low reeds, the tuba part has extensive cues. In fact, you can have them play those cues even if you do have low reeds for an extra added challenge. Be sure to check out the show notes for a link to listen to this piece in its entirety or to purchase it. This has been That about wraps it up, everybody. You can check us out at theflyingbaton.com for show notes and links to everything that we talked about today or on our Facebook page, The Flying Baton. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us on The Flying Baton. Remember, may your tone be dark and your humor light.